Mark Ant, how's it going, man? Great. <laughs> How you been, man? It's been a long time. Man. It has been. But, too too long. But it feels like just yesterday. Doesn't it? It does. That's awesome. It man. does, yeah. So thanks for coming all the way here. I appreciate it, man. You're you uh you know, you're definitely an inspiration to me. Actually, when I worked at Sony Pictures, uh me and Mark go back a little ways. When I worked at Sony, Mark starred in the Bannon Way. So uh pretty amazing actor, director, producer, and, uh, you know, just lucky to have him here and lucky to call him a friend, Mark. So thanks for being here, my man. It's really dope. So, uh, man, usually we start off this, start off a a podcast like this, like asking you like, kind of like what your origin story is. Um, so if you can run down, run down, like who's Mark Gant and like, where did he, where did he start, (laughs) man? Where did the Gant, where did the chart Start. That's uh-huh. what I'm going to say. Gantt chart. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So, um, well, thanks for thanks for having me on. I mean, I just I love you to death. I think you're amazing. I love your hustle. You're just you just always have this positivity, and it's just great to be here. So, yeah. You know, uh, I grew up in Stockton, California, Northern California. Um, dad was a cop. Mom, you know, did odds and end jobs, um, and then went, after the divorce, she ended up becoming a cop. And it went on to being like uh, a flight attendant, which was probably more her speed. <laughs> compared wait, to wait, wait, yeah. your dad was a cop and my your mom was, was a cop. cop? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. And my stepdad, how did I not, how did I not my know stepdad that? was a cop. I mean, it's just, you know, Stockton, man. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know. It was at the, and at the time, no number two per capita in crime in the United States, Stockton, California, when I grew up. What what were they, what was like the crime, like what was the crime there? What kind of a crime were we talking about? Oh, just small things like murder, um, <laughs> drugs, uh, home invasions, just, uh, carjacking. Just those little, the, just those like little the things. little things, <laughs> you know, drug trafficking. Yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Just, uh, just those small things. Easy, not easy a, stuff. Not a um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it was, it was a, as it was a, it didn't seem dangerous at the time, but now looking back, you know, it was definitely, um, there was crime for sure. And my dad, you know, was, you know, had, he got shot, you know, he, um, like wait and shot, he shot? Got shot, shot in the line of duty. Wow. Um, and so, you know, there was like that. So, so yeah, so I grew up in Stockton and my parents, uh, divorced when I was 10. Um, it was, you know, the seventies. So I was a latchkey kid, you know, um, I had two, I have a brother and sister, um, from that marriage and then a half sister. And, um, you know, it was the three of us, the kids, like, you know, we would, you know, grow up and I was teaching my, my brother, you know, soccer and, you know, I'd create stuff throughout the, with the neighborhood girl, we'd like do this like newspaper and stuff. And, uh, it's just always pa- paper mache. Are you yeah. talking about paper mache? No, like a newspaper. Like we'd make oh. up stories about the neighbors and we'd like, you know, like draw pictures and like take stuff and write, you know, write little articles and stuff and like get them out to, you know, and then drop them off on people's doorsteps, hoping that we'd get paid. We never did. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you're an artist, you get used to it, you get used to it early. Um, so I say all that cause like, I think that's, you know, from a very young age, even though like I had, you know, this, my dad being a cop, uh, there was a drive for me to want to be, you know, creative. And, you know, I had that always in me. And so, and now I always had this like dream that I was going to be in Hollywood. So, so I'm not going to go into like, you know, specifics, but you know, a divorce, 
you know, it can get ugly. And, you know, as a kid, you're trying to cope with that. And, and my coping mechanism was books and TV. That's what I did. Like crazy. Uh, we have a very similar upbringing. I was uh, divorced when I was 11. My parents were HBO Showtime Cinemax and the movie channel. Uh Yeah. We didn't have, we didn't really do the newspaper stuff, but we did, um, yeah, we did a lot of video games. I think video games was our newspaper. Like we literally just cope by like, we had a ton of friends. I had three brothers, so I had, I was really lucky with that. I don't know, but it was interesting, man. It's just, we have a very, very similar. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so once the, uh, so when the divorce was happening, and even before the divorce, it was just, you know, lots of, you know, sort of instability that, that entertainment was something that for me is what um, calmed my nerves. It's like, I just sort of get lost in that. And so I think there's sort of a fantasy of like, oh, it's like, oh, the Hollywood, this thing. And, and so when I, um, so, so yeah, so there's the part of my life where I drank alcohol and did drugs like nobody's business. And, um, how old were you when you started drinking and like drugs, stuff like that? So 15 and a half. Wow. 15 and a half. And I think that's old for a lot of people, but, uh, for, for, me, for drinking, for drinking, it's around, that's when I first yeah. had my first drink, but, uh, yeah, man, that was, that's so interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah. with all that sort of uncomfortability going on in my skin and anxiety and stuff like that, alcohol just, just fixed it. You know, that first beer that, that like, oh yeah, I just felt like, oh yeah, I'm funny. I'm handsome. I'm, you know, like the life of the party. And, uh, and even though I threw up, you know, that night I was like, I'm going to do that again, you know, <laughs> um, every chance I get. And so by the time I was 19, I had wrecked seven of my cars. Wow. Um, wow. and you know, I was up on a construction site and I dropped a skill saw two stories and almost hit a guy in the head. And my boss was like, I think you should take a look at maybe drinking. And, uh, and so I did, I got, I got, I uh, went to a 30 day, you know, outpatient rehab at 19 wow. years old and, um, you know, 29 days in, I was like, I probably could just have a drink. And, uh, so I had one drink and then the next thing I know is like eight o'clock in the morning and I'm selling my watch for a line of cocaine. I was like, Whoa, I guess it's not going to work for me. Um, so yeah, so then I got, you know, <laughs> I got sober and that was September 11th, 1988. Whoa. I haven't had a drink since. How did you? Uh, wow, that's crazy yeah. timing. So, yeah, it was a, yeah, 9 11 for me is a good day, but, uh, yeah, for know. everybody well, else. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say it was a bad day potentially, but, you know, good day now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, in theory, you kind of like, kind of like bottom, right? Yeah. Bottom yeah, is like totally. the best place to like rebuild sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. It sucks, of course. But man, like, I've heard, I've read so many stories of people like just hitting, the bottom and they're like, look, I need, we need, I need something to change because this is unsustainable or they go full in on, nope, I'm just going to go that way. And then they end up in a really bad place. Right. So you, this, I think it's a, in theory, it's a good thing. It happened to you that way. Yeah. I I think most people in order for change to happen, have to hit some sort of bottom, you know, a relationship, a job, something that just like, I can't do this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got to change. You know, it's like, I think as people, we get comfortable, you know, even as a child, you know, we sort of go, Oh, this is painful, but I sort of just like, okay, I'll just keep it. I can keep it at this at, at bay. And then we just get used to it. It's like, Oh, that pain that we first felt like, let's say the first month by month two was like, meh. Yeah, it's there. This sucks. 
you know, and I think we just get used to doing that through our whole life. So here we are in a job that we hate or in a relationship that's not working. And we're like, well, it's not as bad as like trying something new or getting out of this or being alone or whatever it is. And instead, if we just like stuff this thing and we're just like, oh, I'm just like living my life, just like, like just, just barely living, you know? And so survival mode, survival mode. you're basically yeah. never thriving. You're no. just surviving, trying to get by. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was, that was, that got me up to 19. Basically I got you that far. So yeah. And, um, and then I ended up moving down to San Diego and not a bad spot. Yeah. I was, we're, you know, I've told the story. It's, it's pretty predictable. Like, you know, I went down with my friend to help his sister sign up for, um, uh, college and we were, she had to have one semester, summer semester of, um, uh, junior college before going to San Diego state. And so we're all in line with her and his, my friend and, and his sister. And like, everybody was like beach, beachwear, San Diego bikinis, you know, like I was like, Holy shit, this is That's, so much this better. Doesn't suck. This, is, this is better than Stockton. <laughs> so by the time we got to the front of the line, we signed up for school and we went around the corners and got an apartment. And, you know, I drove home and told my dad, I was like, Hey, moving to San Diego on Friday. He's like, great. Maybe you'll grow up. Ouch! Like, um, but it was great because I had no, I had no real, you know, I was sober for just less than a year, and had no, you know, I mean, they still pay for my insurance, they still pay for my car payment, they, you know, I had nothing, and I come to San Diego and like had to figure this all out myself. That's and, tough, uh, though. Yeah, like, dude, you're like kind of like you're you're just taking off and and going over to like trying to do trying to make something in San Diego, and your yeah. parents just like, yeah go for it. Maybe you'll grow up like, like shot, like across the a bow again. It's like, all right, thanks. Yeah. Thanks dad. Yeah. No. And he meant it in the best way because like, I really, you know, I, I, I still didn't quite understand responsibility and, 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 you know, part of it was his fault. You know, I think, you know, he wanted, he wanted to take care of me. He didn't have a dad like that. So, you know, he sort of gave me everything that I wanted. And sometimes that doesn't help people, you know? Yeah. Maybe um, he didn't have the tools. Also, like, exactly, he didn't have the. He tools. did the best. He no, did the best. He, oh he could, no, totally. Right? I don't. I, I don't mean in a bad. Yeah, way. of I'm course. Just not. Saying like, there's yeah. that the thing of as a father now. I can see you know it's easier sometimes to just do it than to have him be in pain to do it. Yeah, know? and I see why it's easier to just sort of let me help him. I mean, and because I want, I don't want him to be in pain. You know, yeah, fair. I don't think anybody likes to be in pain. No, that we do everything. That's why. That's why we turn the drinking and yeah. drugs and pornography yeah. and or whatever, you know, whatever you're, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's social media. Exactly. Yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I was down in San Diego and end up, um, you know, I was working, you know, at a grocery store and a valet and, um, you know, just trying to make it, you know, I started to go into junior college. I, you know, every semester, four semesters didn't finish past a month, you know, I'd wow. start and then I'd be like, ah, eh, maybe I'll go to the beach. And then it's like, I don't really want to do this. Maybe I'll do it next semester. So did never, you know, never finished a semester of school at uh, Mesa College, Mesa Junior College, and then met somebody that uh, was um, looking for a job, looking for somebody as an intern, as a prop assistant on a movie, like a movie wow. of the week down there. And uh, went in there, interviewed, got the gig, and within like three weeks, um, yeah, I was done. Like, I was like, that's what I want to be doing. I want to be in the entertainment industry. I don't know if it's props, but, you know, just just around the, the insanity of filmmaking, you know, I could relate to to that. You know, there's something about that that 
um, chaos and controlled chaos. And, uh, and so I, you know, did that movie. And then within a couple of weeks, got a call from somebody I'd worked with who said, Hey, I've got this other gig up here in Los Angeles. I was like, LA. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh, packed yeah. up, packed up my Nissan Sentra. I've made it. Exactly. <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> What's your dream? Uh, so yeah, so moved up to LA, packed nice. up my car and, um, and I've been here ever since, man. The that rest is, is that, history. There, there is, <laughs> there is some good, that's good. That's so that's really good history. I, I think that's awesome. Like I didn't know the background, you know what I mean? Like I knew Mark Gant, the, the A-list celebrity. I knew Mark Gant, the, <laughs> the, you know what I mean? The star of the band and way, like the guy that's like in these, like he's on TV. Like I literally saw Mark Gant. So yeah, I know I knew Mark Gant from the, from the uh, of course TV, like watching you on like commercials and stuff, and I was like, wait, that guy is gonna be in like our our the Bannon way. This is gonna be amazing. I get to like chat and talk with this guy. Like he's he's just, I mean, what are you gonna do? He's an A list celebrity. <laughs> so uh, you know, like amazing uh, amazing experience. So like I had the I had the fortunate I, I was very fortunate to work at Sony Pictures. I ran marketing for their version of, I guess you could say their version of Netflix streaming, yeah. basically their streaming service and video on demand. And I did some theatrical marketing as well, but mostly just their, you know, their streaming service and video on demand. And man, I, if it wasn't for that, like we never would have met. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for the man away, I have to admit, like we never would have met. So man, tell me how, tell me about the band and way and like how that all came about because that, that's still interesting to me just because like, I still don't, you know, cause I'm not, I wasn't in development. I was in, you know, the marketing side and I was just like, man, this is really cool. How does this all work? And like, how are we sourcing this stuff? And to be honest with you, like your Bannon Way show was the best content we ever sourced when I was there. And I was, I was like super excited for it because a lot of the stuff we were sourcing was, was kind of like, you know, wasn't great. And then the Bannon Way came and I was just like, oh my God, this is like, we've just stepped up. We've literally, this is the big leaks for our streaming service, our original content. So tell me how that worked with you. Like how, how did that all work? Right. Well, first of all, I'm humbled by that <laughs> statement, but thank you. Um, it's true. Well, yeah, you know, again, the, the idea, did I turn off? No, no, I'm, it's on. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things that like I had, you know, no idea uh, how to get to where I wanted to be, you know, sure. like I wanted to be a successful actor. I wanted to be somebody that was writing and directing and, and that. And so I was in acting class and I was doing, you know, good work. I thought, and was being pushed by my teacher, I was at the Beverly Hills playhouse with Milton Caselis and Alan Barton. And I was really getting good as an actor. I was feeling confident as an actor, but I could not get an audition to save my life. Like, <sighs> I had an agent. I just like start to put like little things together and like some tape and, but I just could not get like real auditions for any of the, any of the things that I really wanted to do. And so I was doing this scene in class and my scene partner had this very successful sister and the, and she was much better than the sister that was successful as an actress. Ouch. And, <laughs> um, but she also sort of could not get in break in you she know, couldn't break in couldn't break in and wow. so we're sitting there again and we just killed the scene and uh alan barton who was teaching that night just said uh was talking to her you know not even to me he was just she was just frustrated and he knew she was frustrated with her career and he right. said you know you've got to like build your own door and walk through it 
And I was yeah. like, oh mm-hmm. shit, that's, that's, that's what I need to hear. And so I went home that night and I had a whiteboard of stuff and I like cleaned it all off and I wrote, you know, today I stopped fighting because I felt like what was happening was like, I knew how to make films because I had been working on films. So I knew how to make a film and everything I was doing on putting on my tape was just like stuff that I was getting from short films and like, I didn't write it and I didn't have any control over that. And, and so I thought, well, I'm, I have this cause people would say like, but you're in the industry. Can't you just get somebody to help you? You know? And like, I had all those contacts and I'd reach out to them and they try to get me an audition or whatever. But there was a, this idea when he said that I was like, Oh, so I feel like I've, you know, got my foot in the door. That was like the, the phrase everybody says, get the foot in the door. Yeah. So the, I have my foot in the door, but the back door is open to the party, you know, as like a production guy and somebody that knows how to make something. And it's like, well, the party's right there. I can just, maybe I just need to surround myself with people that know how to make the thing that I want to be in. And then I can create my own project. Love that. That is awesome advice (laughs) you know and so and so i wrote that down and then i said you know the next morning i woke up and i told my wife that and she was like great you know i don't know what the fuck that means but great can i cuss is it okay yeah yeah. okay cool this is is not rated Uh, we don't do pg here yeah yeah okay cool and um and so the next morning i wrote a list of three writer directors that I knew that wanted to work with me. Not three writers and directors that I knew that were like amazing that I wanted to work with. Right. Three that I knew they've expressed interest in working with me. Sure. And so I wrote that list of three and I sent them all emails. And the first guy had written a script that was this cool action uh, script. And he had said, you know, at one point, you know, came in class and I did this. And he's like, dude, I'm writing this thing. It's like, it's perfect for you. So I went to him and I said, hey, love to read that script again. Like, maybe we can talk. And the script is very much like the Italian job. So it was like, couldn't really do that movie anymore because the Italian job sure. had just come out. But there was something about the character that I liked. That was, he said, hey, and do you tell an actor, hey, I got a part that might be right for you? Like, we're all in, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, you know, so that, that, and that was Jesse Warren. That was my partner on The Band and Way. So... We basically had lunch. I sort sort of convinced him to look at the the character as potentially like as a short film. Like, hey, let's do like a bank heist, a short film, shoot at a you know abandoned bank, and just you know do that. And so we started coming up with some ideas and started researching you know, like what it would cost to like rent a bank and you know produce that, and you know it quickly became seventy five thousand dollars for this thing. You're like. For a, short a film, <laughs> for a short film that nobody's going to buy. You're not going to make any money back from it. And, um, and a friend of mine was uh, at Sundance with his film, and he just sold it, you know, and had made this deal for DVD and international and all this stuff. So it was like, oh, so that's interesting. Well, maybe we can do something like that, like do a feature. And I was like, okay, that feature is like 75 was a lot. This isn't even going to be more. And, and I don't know, it was just at the time it was 2007 and the web was just like web series and those kind of things were starting to hit. It was like, you know, yeah. there was like some successful people with some money and had some stuff. And it was like, 
interesting short form storytelling. And we said, wow, this is really cool. I, I said, this is really cool. I said, and I said to him, well, why don't we make like a web series out of this? But like legit web series, not something like the stuff that's, you know, we yeah. can do. I said, I can do better than what the top things are doing based on the people I know and my crew and the people I have worked with. And so we started to create this web series based on this character that he had had. And we got together every day for eight months, like, you know, in between us having gigs to work, work stuff. And we just like, we pounded out this idea, this for the Bannon way. And in that process, we kind of worked backwards. So he was like a video game dude. And he was like totally into video games. And for him, it was like, I need, we need that fast pace, you know, sort of sure. vibe. And we know who our audience is going to be. Our audience is going to be these young, you know, 18 to 35, you know, um, you know, cars, women, you know, guns, things like that. That'll be things. And so we really worked backwards into creating the, the, this web series this way. So as we're working on this web series, we realize, oh, shit, we don't know how to make a web series. Nobody's making, like, there's no rules like a TV. You guys are making the rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) There was no, like, half hour, one hour, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. So as we're looking at it, it's like, some are three minutes, some are seven minutes, some are, you know, and everybody was, like, shorter, better, and, like, okay, so we'll do, like, shorter. But then what's our structure of this, you know? And then that's when it hit us that both of our friends had this film that sold at Sundance DVD international is like, well, if we can get money behind us, if we can't, you know, do it as a web series, we could potentially do it as like, we could sell it as a movie, as a DVD. So then it was like easy. They were like, Oh, we're just making a movie, chopping it up as a web series. So each act was six, you know, first act was six, the second one is eight episodes. And the, the last third act was three, it was six episodes. And so we just knew that's our structure. And as we started sort of working backwards in terms of that structure, who our audience was, you know, what it is that we wanted to do, what I wanted to do as an actor, what he wanted to do as a director. And we created this, this thing. And so we were, you know, at the time, like I had somebody at UTA that was an agent, I had a friend at ICM. And so we started like, you know, pitching in this, this idea. We just had the script. We had a lookbook. I had a website. I created like all the characters. We'd done all this stuff. We had like at the same time, BMW films are going out with Clive Owen. And so we're like, it's that, you know, but with me (laughs) and it's this and that. And so everybody basically said, that's awesome. No one's going to do it because it's too (laughs) expensive. And, um, and one of our, my friends who was at ICM at the time in new media had said, Look, dude, nothing personally. Like he, you know, sat us down for lunch and he said, you're not George Clooney and you're not Steven Soderbergh. No one's going to give you money. But I love the idea. Yeah. So we went through like two, three months of just complete depression and like, you know, okay, (laughs) what are we going to do? Just forget this. And, and I just like, I no, we can't. Like it was the first time that we were both, you know, throughout the process, one would be up, one would be down, you know, like someone's holding the space of like, we got this, but that time we were both down and so we we i had a conversation and i was like well what if we shot the first two episodes you know it's basically 10 minutes two five minute pieces and he said okay well let's get a budget for that so we got a budget for that and i think it was like 25 and his his wife at the time was a very successful actress and she they were doing well and he said i think 
I can talk to her and our business manager about maybe funding this proof of concept, you nice. know? And, and I that said, was that was that the trailer you guys that was, submitted? Yeah. So no we, way! They, they, that thing was, was amazing. That was a trailer, and the yeah. two it was two episodes and the trailer. So the yeah. trailer is what we so we end up shooting this thing over Valentine's weekend and cut it together, and it just took longer for us to get you know people on board to help us in the post, and we ended up like locking in the most amazing editor from Craigslist. What uh, this guy Zach you, Arnold? You yeah, found him on, yeah, Craigslist. on Craigslist, and now he's like. <laughs> producer and editing on Cobra Kai. It's like ridiculous <laughs> where he's gone. And, um, and he was crazy. amazing. And, and so we, we put this together. The yeah. power of Craigslist. Yes. Don't underestimate. Don't, post. Never. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't be scared to post. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so we, um, we cut, we, we cut this, the two episodes together and a trailer and we had these like our all our friends from you know on our email list you know which was like very sure. small but like you know it was a lot it was a few hundred people for at the time for us that were like industry people not all industry you know what i mean sure. people in the industry from like prop guys to whatever and um so we sent this email out that said hey here's our website the trailer's up we've got these two episodes we're you know if you know anybody connected to anybody we would love to get this made. Wow. And so um, the first person that called, I looked down, there was a 310 number, and it said ICM. Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is weird. So I pick up the phone, and it's my buddy Jesse Albert, who said, holy shit, you guys did it. And I was really? like, yeah, we did it. And he said, uh, it's fucking good. And I, he goes, I mean, this is just a trailer, but like, the two episodes done, you know, I said, yeah, yeah, we're finishing up. We're just doing some sound stuff. He said, all right, well, let me see those when those are done. So sure. then the next day we're like rushing to get it done. Yeah. So, you know, dropping off, you know, the DVDs at the office. Cause he wanted to like have physical copies. I was like, why does he want physical copies? And said, just thing. And uh, so he saw him, called us up, said, can you guys come in? I want to talk to you. So wow. talk to him. He's like, so listen, I know I said what I said, but like, this is pretty good. And, you know, from what you're saying, this is a feature film. That's also a web series. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, that's what Sony and Crackle are looking for right now. Yep. And that's what is. Universal was looking for at the time. And he's like, can I take it in? I was like, sure. <laughs> so they he took it in and, you know, you guys liked it. And we ended up taking meetings with everybody, all the studios. And so once, once we sort of got interest from Sony, then it was Fox and, and, um, even ABC was looking at the time to do some stuff. And we went in there and, you know, with, uh, you know, the support and, you know, sort of mentorship of Michael Stratford, you know, I know, you know, Mike, what an amazing guy. The guy's He's just like, so great. So great. He really is. Um, he really shepherded the whole thing for us, you know, and I remember this big meeting that we'd had and we hadn't, you know, it wasn't a for sure deal yet. It was just sure. like very, you know, we're in the early stages of potentially negotiating, but they wanted to have a, you know, you guys want to have a meeting with us. And so we go into this conference room and it's like massive, at Sony and like, yep, I know that conference yeah, room. It's like Jesse, <laughs> me, and and uh, well, they're both Jesse's and me on one end, and then all of you guys at the other end, yep. and Eric and and Stratford, and um, you know, somebody brings up, you know, I'm sure it was, you know, production person, you know, um, saying so, 
you know, not saying that we're going to do this. We just want to know is, you know, um, are you guys open to having somebody else be the lead? No, no offense, Mark. We just, I just, we just want to know if we're going to, you know, do that. And Stratford from the other end said, <clears throat> no, Mark Gant is Neil Bannon. Yeah. And everybody was just like quiet. And it was like from that moment on, it was like, oh man, like this is going to happen. And, uh, and so that was, that was a huge, a huge lift for us. Cause we said, oh, we've got somebody that wants to get this done. He wants me to be in it. He wants Jesse to direct it. And they, they love their story. And so that was, that was a big piece for us when we were making the deals. Like everybody else was like, you know, sort of, yeah, we think we can afford this. Maybe we can make, put some brands in this and we could do this. And you guys were just like, yeah, no, here's, you give us a budget. Tell us what you can make it for and we'll see if we can improve it. And, you know, Jesse's like, can you make it for this much money? And I was like, dude, we made it for like this much money, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's, that's how it went. Let me tell you how it went on the inside. <laughs> so uh, I could just tell you just from my standpoint, of course. So, yeah, when I, when I got your content internally, I was just like so impressed with the content. Like it was just when I popped that DVD in, I was expecting just another one of those web series with low bar, low standards. And then when I saw it, I literally watched it probably nine or 10 times in a row. No joke. Nine or 10, nine or 10 times in a row. And I was like, this is like the movie Snatch and Rock and Rolla and this and that all wrapped up in the one. And it's got this cool guy named Neil Bannon. Like, what? I am, I am all in on this. Whatever this is. We need this. And I remember walking in and like, guys, what is this? When is this being done? <laughs> that right. was just, it was just, you guys changed how content on the internet was made. Like you set a new standard. There was like a new bar that was raised by you guys. And that kind of showed through at the Streamy Awards. Yeah. Like you guys killed it. Like, I don't even know how many, how many streams did you guys actually win? I don't even remember. Five. Five. Okay. I, I actually was thinking like two or three It's five. Jesus, man. Yeah. I remember you guys were, your web series was in the top 10 most viewed web series. I remember for, I mean, that was my job, of course, getting the word out. It was a lot easier with great content and man, Every week I was checking in with these guys that were doing all the reporting. Like, you know, there was like a, a stats company that kept reaching out to us and working with us. And it was like, they just kept saying, yo, Ben and way is like number eight. Yo, Ben and way is number four. Yo. And it's like, it just kept going up and up. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. See good content, good marketing, easy to do. Like it just makes, I mean, it's just like anything else in the world, right? Good product. Great product. Actually, I would say great product good marketing efforts behind it. And then bam, you guys blew up. And I remember being at the streaming awards, just being like really proud of like, Hey, I called this as the best <laughs> content. I called this as the best content we've ever had. And it performed really, really well. And you guys just rocked it, man. I just love seeing the, like you guys accepting your awards, man. That was, that was, wow. uh, that was pretty deep, bro. We were, we were so blown away by that. I think, you know, again, it's the, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's like, you know, I, I, I didn't, we didn't know that we weren't, it, it wasn't going to be um, easy to do it. Like, you know, we, we, we thought, oh, cool. We have a studio. This is going to be like, this is going to be awesome. Like all the 
perks of being with the studio from, you know, having sort of this production support to the executive support to a killer marketing department. Hey, no, no. You know, stop it, nobody, stop sees, it nobody sees it, if nobody sees it, you know, then, you know, it's, then it's true. you can't do it in a vacuum. It's true. And so you have all those great things and the possibility that it's going to go international and all those kind of things that, but at the same time, it's like the studio, you know, is the boss, you know, and where, you know, the independent thing of like, oh, we can just do it or we're going to do it this way. It was like, oh no, you guys can't shoot it that way. Oh no, you guys said you're going to make it for this amount of money. That's it. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. And they're like, but it's going to be union. And it's going to be Teamsters and you're going to have, you know, I'm like, well, wait, we didn't have that in the budget, you know? And so well, you guys also, did you guys get craft services though too? Oh, we did get some craft oh, services. Oh, there we yeah, go. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, it's not so bad to be union sometimes, no, right? No, exactly. <laughs> but, that, but it was just a cost that we hadn't put into this budget that they approved. And then, you know, we went through a lot of time of us trying to, you know, negotiate a bigger budget only to find out. No, there's no, the number is the number. It's not changing. This is the number. And, right. and so, but, you know, to be able to, to have that support, you know, really was pretty amazing, you know, to have Sony behind it. And that, that was, and, 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 you know, I mean, you made it at that point, right? Let's yeah. Yeah. But you, you called it, you said to me, <laughs> I remember what, I'm trying to think of what it was. You said to me, you're like, we, I don't know what you're laughing specifically, but you said a couple, <laughs> you said a couple things to me, but one, you just said, um, dude, I'm going to get a billboard on the side of Sony for you. Don't you yeah. worry. And that was like, yeah, holy shit. That was when it came crazy. out, you were like, wait, what? That was amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a lot of, it was a lot of, it, dude, it was easy. It was actually super easy to promote you guys. Like I said, it was like, uh, it was, first it was a pleasure. Cause you guys were just like genuinely just awesome people. But man, that content was just so easy. Like I said, so easy on the eyes, so easy to like get behind. And anybody that didn't get behind it, I was just like hardcore. Like, how could you not like, how do you, how do you not see what I see? Like what's going on? Like, and like I said, I'm just, I was just proud. Like it was definitely some content that made me proud to be working at Sony Pictures at the time and like going now we're in the big leagues. And that was you. Wow. You're the reason, man. I don't know. So. That's that's the thing. It's hard it, for me. It's hard to say, "Oh yeah, it was me," because there were so many people. There's, I mean, it's like I, I would say the thing that I, I would take credit for is that I was surrounded myself with people that were way more talented than me. You know, and I think that that supported the vision that Jesse and I had. By you know, you know, I mean, he had this great vision. But if nobody can actually do it, then you just, it falls flat. And so to really be able to say, no, we got to have this person, this DP, this, this production designer, this, you know, these actors, you know, right. To support us. Yeah. I mean, obviously having a support staff is definitely critical, but you know, having the, like, you can always have a support staff that sucks or you can have a support staff that's like a players. You, uh, you had a support staff of a players and you guys were a players. So it actually was an easy, easy sell. I remember saying like, Hey man, you were, yeah, I remember you were a little nervous. Like, how's this going to go? What are we going to do? Is it going to get, is it going to get enough views or not? I'm like, bro, leave it to me. (laughs) I was like, you guys do that. Pretend I'm the, pretend I'm the the maintenance guy. Right. I know how to mow lawns. Right. right. And you, you don't know how to like use a lawnmower. Let me mow the fucking lawn. bro. And I just rock. I just told you, I was like, I got this dude. I'm going to mow the lawn. 
you go over there and clip the hedges. I got this. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, <laughs> and uh, dude, we crushed it. Knocked it yeah. out of the park. That's amazing. So congrats. And that's Thank awesome. You. And I still have a copy signed by you. Boom. It's on Boom. my shelf. Nice. That's what's going on, dude. So after Ban and Wait, tell me like what happened there. So I didn't know you. Were you married like at on set or were you married before or after the show? After. After. That's what I thought. I was yeah, going to say, yeah. I'm like, you're like my wife. And I'm like, you mean your, you know, your yeah, girlfriend, she was, she wife girlfriend, now. <laughs> girlfriend then, wife now. Yeah. She right, was, right. she actually, she was bombshell. And yeah. Benway, yeah, yeah, it was and, amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we, um, we got married eight years ago. So we've been together almost 18 years, over 18 and a half Congratulations. Years. Thank you. And that's a long time to be together. I mean, yeah. you've basically vetted each other for a decade. <laughs> totally. Pretty sure it's going to work out <laughs> exactly. at this point. <laughs> All right, we can do this. Um, so yeah, you know, after, after Bantamway came out, there was, you know, a lot of energy around it and me wanting to sort of ride that wave and everybody saying, Hey, what do you have next kind of thing? So both Jesse and I had several things that we were, you know, doing together and things that we were doing separately that we were trying to get out there. And, you know, and also, you know, the industry was not quite ready. So, you know, there was a ton of buzz after, you know, it was released. And so like that first year, you know, it was okay. You know, Sony is behind it. Let's, you know, let's figure out how we're going to make this as a TV series, potentially as season two. And obviously for us, television would be like, that's like the, you know, the, the brass ring. Like, can we make that happen? And so they connected us with a showrunner and we put together a pitch and we pitched it around. And, you know, we thought we were so close. Like Showtime was like, you know, wanted to, you know, buy it. And at the last minute, they just changed their mind. And, and so it sort of like died down as like a TV show for a while. And then we were like looking back as a second season. And so, you know, different crew came in to cr crackle and new people were coming in and like, okay, nah, maybe not this one. Maybe we'll do it this next time. And then they were. And, and I would say the first three or four years after Bannon, it's like there was a lot of, you know, I felt like I was waiting. A, I was waiting for what Sony and crackle were going to do with it. And, you know, sure. honestly, like, you know, you're, you're on those those emails of like, we'll know by next Wednesday, you know, and agents and <laughs> managers and everybody's legal. And there's all this like buzz for like a year and a half. You're thinking, oh, this is going to really happen. And then it doesn't. And sure. then you're like, oh, wait, now what do we do? And there was a sense of I knew how hard it was to do what we did and how impossible it really was to do what we did that. It was actually, I felt like I did it. It was a disservice to me because I just knew too much now where I didn't know that two guys that had never created anything couldn't do what we did. The know? naivety, right? Yeah. Like you're naive enough yeah. to think you could do it and yeah. you did it. Can yeah. I tell you? Like that's, I've heard that story so many yeah. times in my life where they're like, I'm happy that I didn't know yeah. because I never would have been able to do this. Exactly. So once I knew like w all the boxes that need to be checked. I knew I could tell by like, you know, a, six months into a, you know, a negotiating with this company, like they don't have the money. <laughs> right. You know, and instead of like continuing to try to go down this road, we like move on and go to a thing. And so, so I would say the first four years felt, you know, like, man, I'm never going to get a break. Like it's not going to happen. We're trying so hard to get the next thing going and we can't get it done. And, um, and so, 
I just had to like back off and just like, okay, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with band and I don't know what's going on with these, you know, and, and the, and I'll be honest is like at that time too, you know, I had my things that I was working on. Jesse was having his thing as I was, he was working on, but also because we, we had had the success, people were coming, reaching out to us. So all of a sudden, like I had 25 projects in development at one time, like, you know, with all these different people, I'm attached as an actor, I'm attached as a producer, I'm attached as a director, I'm attached, you know, you know, not, not all of them were moving all at the same time, but there was a false sense of hustle going on right. right their false sense like i had the wall had all this stuff was going and nothing was happening wow you know and so after that four years i was like i don't know if i even care enough about any of these projects right like it was all about trying to get to this thing and so i had a friend of mine who said you know he has he had a, a you know a way of you know sort of picking out what 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 he should be doing next of, of his projects and stuff sure and so it was like four categories. I'm probably messing them up, but it was basically like, can I make money from it? Is it going to move my career forward? So I had this friend that had uh, sort of a, a way for him to determine which projects to move forward on. It was like four things. One was, will I make money from it? One was, will it move my career forward? Third was, does it bring me joy? And the fourth was, is it easy? And like the, is it easy for me was like, does it feel like you're pushing up a rock up a hill and you're the only person doing right. it, you know? And so I could look through and I used those four categories on this Excel spreadsheet and I had them all listed there and I have one project that had more than two. Wow. I mean, you know? that's, that's, that's telling right yeah. there. So it was just sort of like even the ones that could move my career, like there was no money. Okay, cool. But then there was, it was not easy, you know, and the easy and the career, there was like not realistically going to happen. And, you know, and so, right. so what I did, I had all those things up on my wall and we were getting ready to go on a trip. And I said to my wife, I was like, I feel like overwhelmed. I'm looking at this, like we're going on vacation. What if like this thing happens or this thing happens? And then we got to take a meeting and it's, we're going to be gone for three weeks. And so I'm looking at that and I had done this Excel sheet and I was like, fuck it. I went over there and just, it was a chalkboard wall and I just erased everything. Wow. Um, That's a big step. And, uh, and in the middle, I was still staring at the black, blank wall and we were about to leave um, that like the next day we were about to leave and we were packed up and I was getting stuff out. I looked at the, black, the wall and I got a thing, like a text for a potential meeting when we got sure. back. So I was like, oh shit, I don't have it up there to put, you know, meeting with, you know, that's what I'd have, like an update of stuff. Sure, sure. And, um, and said, uh, I don't know, just something hit me. So I went over the wall and said, I was about to write the name of the project and the update. Instead, I wrote God's will and then circled it. And then I walked away and I was like, that's what needs to be on that wall. Like whatever I'm, whatever the universe wants me to do, that's what it is. Not what I think it should be doing. And so I spent the rest that, that year basically just putting things on the wall that I, that happened. Like not like, not like, Oh, there might be a meeting or we might be doing this or this is what I need to be doing. It was just like what things happened. And at the end of the year, it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't have planned that 
what happened. I couldn't have planned the trips. I couldn't have planned the amazing jobs or the opportunities that, that came up. And right. I felt like I was trying to do it for so long. Like I need to hit these goals. I need to do the hustle. I need to do the thing. And instead it was like, I already know what I need to do. <laughs> like I already know what I want to do. And if it's not what I'm supposed to be doing, just like when I did Bannon, I was like, well, if I'm, if I'm supposed to be an actor, then I'll do this. If I'm supposed to be a filmmaker, it'll be a success. You right. know? And right. so it was, and I was like, okay, I'll continue doing that. And then that was the same thing. So that's been like, for me, finding my purpose has, has shifted because really what I thought my purpose was, um, was underneath it was like being loved and success and money and everything to make me feel like I'm worthy. Right. And now I've realized even when I've had that success, the worthiness does not come. <laughs> it's not there. Like I got to do the work on myself in order to feel, you know, sort of the, the gifts. And instead it's just like, oh, I've already moved. Like I just said, I literally, we finished the, the Bannon way. And I was like, okay, awards. Okay. TV series. And then the awards came. We're like, oh, I'm up there. And I was like, it was amazing. But the next morning, the next morning, dude, I was, was like, it really the next, the next morning? morning was like, okay, cool. Like what's next? Okay, cool. It's in variety. Okay, cool. My name's in there. Okay, cool. What's the next thing? So that's going to lead to this. I couldn't enjoy it because I was like, what? It didn't fix it. It didn't fix the, the thing. Wow. What, what do you think was missing though? Like what do you, and do you think like, not only was it what was missing, but like, do you think a lot of like very successful actors, actresses, producers, directors, do you think they have that missing too, where they, they feel like they're chasing something and they never actually catch it. If they have any downtime, this is what I've noticed at least. Maybe I'm wrong though. Is that when you have, if you have downtime and you're like alone with yourself, you're just like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. You think well, they're, they, they, you think most of those people are literally chasing things because they really don't know like how to stop. And if they stop, they would be yeah, like lost. They don't want to be stopped. It, it, stopping. And I'll, that would be the next stage of my thing here. But like, yeah, not doing, not doing my hustle left me by myself alone with my thoughts, with my feelings. And it was a very dark place. So yeah, I think those people that are successful, you'll, you'll see them for divorces. They'll, you'll right? see them, you know, sort of, you know, sort of living beyond their means. You'll see them, you know, uh, sabotaging their career at times, you know, and that that's because there's this constant sort of drive to achieve in hopes that it's going to quell this the voices in our head that say, you're only going to be good enough if you're Nolan, you know, you're only good enough if you're Spielberg, you're only be good enough if you're this got to work that hard and you keep working and then you get this to this level. And then it's like, Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't change how I'm feeling. So, yeah. So that was for me. Like I got to the point where after those couple of years, these last three years for me have literally been about, I mean, three years ago, I was like, okay, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to hustle. You know, you know me, I had like literally yeah. on my thing. Uh, I know like, I'm a guy who <laughs> hates waiting for shit to happen. So I create. Yeah. Was like okay Absolutely. what happens if mark gant does not create what happens if i don't do that and so i had you know i but right before that decision i had just done this 90 day novel course and i'd finished a draft of a novel in 90 days because my wife sure you know brian davis had done that and it was successful we're like oh we can you know self-publish i could do that and then that could be the pilot and then that would be the thing that gets so and then i wrote the the novel and i was like 
already like I couldn't even do the rewrite because I was already into the pilot and right. the, the TV and then it's going to get to this. Right, right. And I was miserable. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just put the novel, I just like closed the, you know, saved it, closed it. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to stop. I got to stop because I, it's not, I, I want to achieve so bad. I can't even be creative anymore. It's, it's driven, my creativity is driven by success and achievement. And so I spent that whole year completely miserable, not wow. hustling. You know, I'd make, take actions when I needed to, but not out of fear. Right. And, you know, and that ended up, I ended up getting this amazing directing gig. I ended up making the decision to quit acting, you know, all those things when I was just like, but not out of the necessity of achieving of like, Oh, not out of survival mode. Yeah. This time you're, you're like, in a way you're kind of finding your purpose and like yeah. trying to get into thriving mode, yeah, which exactly. it sounds like you did. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah. That is amazing. I, I I'm going to be there one of these days. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That is amazing, dude. That's what would you tell people that are that are doing that right now? Like going through stuff like that right now where they're like, oh man, if I don't, if I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, right? At the end of the day, if I don't get that part or and I don't get to the next phase, the next three phases, and you're like thinking five phases ahead, like chess in a way. Like, what do you what do you tell people that are like lost their purpose and like or never really had a purpose? They just were achieving to achieve because they were trying to fill a hole in their lives, right? Yeah. Theoretically, that's what they were doing, right? Yeah. So what would you tell people for advice to like fix that? Or even like just like how could they find their purpose if they're in that situation? Yeah. Well, for $99.99, you can no. <laughs> um, fuck, if I had the answer to that, I don't know. I mean, I think I think everybody's journey is different, but I think what stands out to me from you know, basically what you were just saying is like I for so long think that people have this idea in their head of what they should be doing and what that success would look like if they were doing this thing. And it may or may not be true to what they should be doing compared to what they think they should be doing based on a whole bunch of stuff. So, sure. so again, a 10 year old kid who says I should be a director cause I want to be doing that by the time he's 35, is it, really what the 35 year old wants or is it what the 10 year old kid wants? And so it's about finding to me, finding out what's underneath what's that 10 year old kid really want the control, some sort of, you know, some autonomy, some sort of, you know, free will that he doesn't as a 10 validation, validation, right? you know, exactly. Some, you know, uh, uh, attention and things like that. And then as a 35 year old, you're like, okay, so maybe directing, is not going to get me that because here I am with that and I don't have it, you know, and but sure. what is it that I really do, do need? And so, so I think everybody, you know, for me, it's like working on yourself, like, you know, relationships not working. It's like first work on yourself. The relationship will either work itself out or not, you know, but, absolutely. But in the career is the same thing. So I feel like what it is you're afraid of, <laughs> you know, right. That's the thing that you should be looking at, you know? So, so for me, I was afraid that if I did not achieve and my bank account wasn't this thing, if I wasn't special, you know, if I wasn't the kid who left Stockton and became this thing, if I wasn't those things, then, then what? That I'm just, that I'm unlovable, that I'm going to be living under a bridge, you know? And so that first year for me, you know, of not hustling and not doing was painful. And, and I realized that it was like, I, 
the, the, the checks weren't coming in, you know, the fear of like not, not having the success, the achievement wasn't there. The look at my wife's eye, which was mirroring my fear of me not making it was there. And, you know, I had a friend of mine that I was talking to a lot and he'd say, you know, you know, we sort of nailed it down to like, my fear of letting my mom down, like making my mom, you know, upset, upsetting mom, you know, cause I was right. always trying to like make her happy and be great and be perfect and be successful and do all the things to make her feel sure. good. Like right. I've spent my life trying to make her happy. Wow. Then I just transferred that to my wife, made it her responsibility. And so God forbid her be disappointed with me. Right. And guess what? I had to disappoint her. Right. I said, you're going to have to disappoint mom in order to get through, break through this. And so there it was like every day, every week, the check didn't come through every week. I would be like down to $2 and 67 cents and then I'd get through that month. And then to be the next thing, it was like, wow. trust and surrender to a power greater than myself, something, the universe, like whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing just to just trust, like I'm doing everything, you know, and not everything hustle, like everything I'm doing, I'm showing up for my life. I'm showing right. up. There's an opportunity. Let me take it doing this put myself out there like you know all these things but the things weren't happening and I had to lean into the discomfort sure to realize oh so so for me at the moment it just felt like I was fucked you know and then sure. at the end of the year it was like oh wow I'm okay even if I don't have anything like I'm totally fine my bank account two dollars sixty seven cents <laughs> Nobody wants to buy the movies. No, nothing on Instagram worth posting about. Nothing that I could share about. Nothing that you know anybody, anything on the outside could fit, could could make me look better. And just to be vulnerable and just have the peace, you know, it wasn't like looking for my for my wife or looking for my son, but just inside to say like I'm enough, I'm okay. And then that just That's shifted, awesome. you know. And I mean, I still like slip back into the thing, but. For the most part, I'm okay if nothing happens. Absolutely. That's a that's an inspirational story right there, my man. That's that's pretty cool. Being able to drop it down in the neutral is like crazy hard, especially in the space that I live in. Like again, A type super overachievers that I, I work with or yeah. and I'm definitely one of those people. A lot like you again. Yeah. Like what do I do if I stop hustling? What if I what do I do if I stop working on all these things? Like all this stuff. It's fascinating to see like how that works. And man, what's cool about your story too, is that like you, in a way, like you kind of had to like see for yourself that your wife isn't gonna leave because of that. She's cool with you the way you are. She actually said this at one point. Um, she, so she was like, she was frustrated, rightly so that like, sure. here's this dude that she's married to. And you know, the father of her son, <laughs> you know, uh, does not have a job like they haven't come through yet. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of cool stuff in the works as always, you know, but sure. nothing quite through yet. And, you know, having conversations about, do you get a real job? Like, do you do like a nine to five someplace? And like, I was, I'm open, like I'm open to sure. that. You know, I don't know what that is. I don't know. You know, I'm ready, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, and it was like something that came up about, you know, Oh, she's got to pay for the, you know, the school tuition, you know? And it was like, I knew money was coming in for me in two weeks. So like I'll pay, we're off a month kind of thing in my mind. Everything's fine. 
but it was just, she was really disappointed and I could tell she was disappointed and I was okay that she was disappointed. And there was something that shift that happened when she saw, like, even though she was disappointed, it wasn't affecting me in a, like a negative way. So she didn't see me as small. She saw me as like an equal. And she looked at me after she, cause she was like, I'm just so, it's just, I'm disappointed, you know, that like, this is where we are today. I said, I totally understand. And so I walked into the room and I was like, it's not about me. It's her fear. Like we have plenty of money. <laughs> like, sure. Like I'm just not earning the way to my potential that she wants me to. And so she, I was in the other room and she walked in and she was like, Hey, I was like, yeah. And she goes, I still love you. I can just be in fear, but I still love you. That, and it was like, okay, that's solid. You know? That's solid, man. And let me tell you, that is that is an interesting scenario. I have to admit, there's probably a lot of people out there right now that feel the exact same way you do. These overachievers, they achieve crazy things. They get to a point and they're like, okay, now what? Yeah. Like, what's next? Like, man, I just can imagine like people hearing this and going, hey, you know what? I need to drop it down into <laughs> neutral here. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Drop it down in the neutral, recharge the batteries over here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, figure out like what's next for me and then be okay with disappointing people. Like at the end of the day, if they love you, they're going to stick around. If they get frustrated, that's cool. And it is on them. I never really looked at it like that. Like that's kind of brilliant way of looking at it, but I just don't know how you stop caring. No, you don't. It's not that you don't care, but you, it's I, like what I meant. Yeah. Like stop allowing them their feeling of, you know, trying to make you feel kind of like guilty or yeah. f- like disappointed in you, whatever that is. Like, I, I don't know how to get past that part. That's, I would, that's that would, the work. That's I mean, that's getting to, the I don't work. know how you do yeah, it, you know, but that's it because, but it's the inside <laughs> stuff. It's like you starting to see like, Oh, it's her fear. My fear is triggering her fear. Okay, great. And now when I'm not in fear and she's still in fear, sure. Something is going on. They go, Oh, it's not about me. Because no matter what I was doing, that fear still exists in her. You know, yeah. just like my fear was still existing in me. And so once I could see that, then the now I'm I'm telling you, like this, three years later from this time, the conversations that we have around money, and 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 by the way, I'm like, knock on wood, like we, our our world has exploded since this. Sure, you know the abundance and the the projects and the 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 people that we're working with and creating with and, and helping and being of service to, and, you know, like I'm coaching now too and do all these different things. It's like the, the world just opened up where it's like now she's feels more, she's like, she's doing, doing the work too. So she sees, Oh, this is just my fear. Like this is just my fear that I'm working on. This is not about, you know, just, I may be triggering it, but to what point, at, at, at what point do we go, okay, I, I can't blame my parent. I can't blame the fact that I'm getting triggered by my partner because my dad did this sure. or my mom did this. So I'm, you know, it's like, it only goes for so long. At some point you're gonna be like, that story's not working for us anymore. Yeah. It's just not like, I get it. Very valid, very real, but we got to work through this. Otherwise, like yeah. every time, like there's a, you know, a sound of a, the cha-ching and you're like, Oh, no, that's money going out of my account. Like that's, we're in trouble. You yeah. Know? And now, makes perfect sense. So, so I think that's it is like, you know, so, so, you know, when, you know, and I'm a codependent. So, you know, it's like, you know, when, you know, people pleasers stop pleasing 
people aren't pleased. That's <laughs> the thing, you know? And so for me, that was a big thing is like, I had to be okay with her not being happy with me because I was able to just keep doing the thing and all, and it wasn't even a real me. So she's looking at something that's a false me, sure. you know, as a hustler doing the thing to like, everything's good. Everything's good. And she's like, okay, I think he's good. And I think we're, I think we're okay. Right. Which kept triggering the fear compared to, Oh, he's okay. How is he okay? Even though he doesn't have the things he's, he's Oh, I'm okay too. You know, yeah. everything's kind of going to be okay. Yeah. What are the steps do you think you did to actually get through that barrier of like, I know yeah, it's always a work in progress. Just like anything like that. You're always, you're always working on yourself to make yourself better from like one day to the next or week or month. What's the one thing or, or like three things, whatever the number of things would you give advice to people that are literally figuring that out even? Because there's probably a lot of people listening right now or, or will be listening going, wow, that sounds like me. Like what is uh, how do I fix this people pleasing thing in me? Where do I even start? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how did I, you start is the question. I got to a bottom. I was in pain, you know, I was in pain from me trying to, you know, fix it for her, like trying to make her feel okay, you know? And that's, was that big part of it. It was like, okay, so I have this news about like the job and the check not coming till three months from now. I have to have this conversation with her. I know how her reaction is going to be. She's going to be upset. So I'm going to have to like, I'm thinking ahead of how I'm going to fix it. And of course I had a conversation. It goes exactly the way I expected to. It's a shit show. I'm like, we're fucked. It's the end. It's like, you know, I've disappointed her, all this stuff. And then getting to wait, if I don't try to fix it and just sort of, this is the information. And then like, that's it, you know, and not try to tell her that there is no fear, not try to tell her, don't be, why are you being in fear? Everything's fine. Like that doesn't work because that's her fear. That's her right. reality. So, yeah. so really for me to be able to say, I think it was on a daily basis. Like it's okay if she's upset, like I have to be okay with her not being okay, you know? And she definitely in the beginning of our relationship was not okay. If I was not okay, like that, just like that, that was a big thing. So I was like, always just be okay. Be okay for her. Just like mom, be okay. Be okay. Sure. And, and so then this process of like, okay, can I just not be, can I be not be okay? And then can she be not okay and me not have to fix it? And so then it became this like practice, like every day it's like, you know, do I need to say it? No, I don't need to say it. I can't fix it. Let me just, you know, let me just show up. And it was, it was hard. It was painful because I, because I, because I, I felt like if I didn't fix it, I'm not going to be loved. And that was the big trick for me. It's just like, she's, she's here. She's, we're in it, you know, she's working on herself too. We're both trying to like get through it. And, um, so yeah, so I think that getting to enough pain, you know, where you're like, oh yeah, this is not working anymore for me. Why is it not working? Oh, because no matter what this person does, you know, I'm trying to fix it, you know, however they are, no matter, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of other stuff, I think that um, it all sort of stems with that, you know, and, and also to be as brutally honest with yourself in terms of like, 
what is it that I'm trying to get out of this situation? You know, am I just trying to make you get you to be okay so that I feel okay? That's always trouble <laughs> problematic for me, you know? So, right. so like I, it's, you know, I get triggered when you're not okay. I could come over here today and, you know, be triggered by you going, Hey dude, I thought you said 1030, you know, we said 1030 and I was 1033 or 1034 when I texted you. And it's like, that could be enough for me to just ruin my day, ruin this, this thing, be felt like I had to like be overdo it and be something I'm not. And not makes be, sense, you know, and then I'm like doing some interview that's not like legit and authentic, you know, cause I'm trying to like make you happy. Right. Like that's another thing that I do. So no, I, I like, I, I actually like the way this is going. I want, I want like just straight up truth. I don't really care. Um, even if you, uh, you know, talk about other things we you know whatever it is like this is this is a great interview and yeah i kind of like don't take myself very seriously about stuff like that like go yeah i mean that's like amazing because that's you know my again because you when you're in relationships you're you know you're two different people with two different needs and that was what's so i think hard sometimes is you know I'm not, I'm not going to mention the Jonah Hill, but we were talking about that. Before. <laughs> no, I want to hear the Jonah Hill thing. So the Jonah Hill, I just want to just, if people don't know what it is, Jonah Hill texted, <laughs> texted, uh, two years ago, a girl for a girl he was dating. And he basically set up like, Hey, here are my insecurities. Basically he called them boundaries, but they were insecurities. And, but that's what makes up boundaries. Like, Hey, this is what makes me uncomfortable. And, uh, what I read, at least my opinion was like, they weren't that bad. They just were. He was just an insecure dude going, look, here's the deal. When we first started dating, this was okay. But over time, it came, it became pretty painful to watch you do certain things with guys, to post certain pictures on Instagram, made me uncomfortable. And if you don't think that these are uncomfortable things, like we should just go our separate ways because I can't handle that. It turns out I thought I could. Now I can't. And you need to change uh, some of your behavior or I, we need to not be together cause it's triggering for me. And I think that's okay. But I mean, that's my opinion on it. At least I just don't think it's uh when people call things abuse, it's really ugly to actually use the word abuse incorrectly. And, and people use that all the time. People use abuse. People use this terminology all the time, the wrong way. They just don't know what it means and they don't know what it does to people too. I don't yeah. know. I think, I think it's like super, it's so toxic nowadays that people are using these words, not understanding the damage they could do to people's reputations, the misuse of them, like the flagrant, just like, Oh yeah. You know, like the sky is blue and that's abuse. Like it's like, no, just right. Well, you know, the thing is, is like, we didn't, you know, we only know this one side of her sending, you know, posting the screen grab of his text, you know, and I'd be interested to see if, she came back to him with like, great, let me take a look at those. Let's have a conversation about that. Here are five things that I also would like to talk to you about. You know, for me, when this happens, when you, you know, ignore me, when you, we go to these, you know, red carpet events and you, you know, don't even put, do the picture with me, that upsets me. You know, I mean, like there could be a million different things that she could have that she feels insecure about. And there's probably a good chance the reason why she's doing what she's doing is because she feels insecure, like posing with, you know, with, you know, a bikini with these guys and surfing with strangers and doing all this stuff for her. Those are probably things that she did out of insecurity. And if, absolutely, you know, so again, just because he's insecure about them, I'm, I'm even not even comfortable with the word insecure about them because it's just like, these are the things that I need 
for myself. Yeah. Like you needs. Know, yeah, exactly. If a girl it's, said that, it would be like, exactly. you, you go girl. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, so with like my relationship with Brianne, it's like, we have different needs. Absolutely. You know? And for example, like if we had set the, if we, I would have loved you know, to, to known what her seven things were early on in the relationship. Yeah. Cause instead I'm trying to figure them out for 10 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then every time she's like, I don't understand. Why don't you know I need dip when we go, when you pick up my sweet potato fries or I need a <laughs> extra, you know, thing for me. Why didn't you check the, the, the order? It's like, because I don't use dip. I don't think about dip. So I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't say it like, but I'm sorry. And she's like, but that means you don't, you're not, you're not, I'm not being taken care of. I'm like, wait, I went and picked up the fucking food. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this is all in my head. And she's like, yeah, but you picked up the food, but you didn't check for the thing that you know that I need. So when you don't do that, I don't feel taken care of. I'm like, oh, okay. Well now we're getting it. By the way, I still forget the fucking dip. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not I, as much as I care about her and think about her and do that stuff. But at the same time, I'll do things like I will make sure that there's gas in her car when, you know, she's going, even though I haven't driven it because I know she hates getting gas. I can go drop off the kid, fill it up with gas and it's done. She'll say thank you. It's like not a big thing anymore, sure. but she says thanks every time. But it feels like she feels taken care of. So he's just asking for things to be taken care of. This is important for me. She can say no, which obviously she did. And now he's married and doing something else or engaged or whatever. It's like, but the point is, is like, I think it's important in relationships to say what it is you need. And people are so afraid of saying that because they don't want people to like break up with them or, you know, or, or, or take screenshots or take and post screenshots them on the internet. Exactly. Like two years after they break up. Yeah. And then like, why would you post those? Like two years afterwards, are you a little upset that he's with some new girl and just yeah. had a kid and now engaged and that could have been you, but this, like, it's just, yeah, so, I so I think, so yeah. again, I, We're mean, I, I feel like that if, you know, if in relationships, if we just communicated more, yeah. even our fears, but we don't, we know we come into these relationships usually with, you know, sort of a, you know, a false self, you know, like our best self. And then a few months, six months, as you were talking about before, like six months later, like I'm looking at this person like, not nah, this, isn't, this isn't, this isn't the, the person I was with in the beginning. You're, you're somebody different and you're, you're not keeping your word. What word? The BS word that I wanted you to hear? Like, yeah. I did tell you that I do this. I did tell you that I just want to sit and watch Netflix all day. I did tell you that this is, you know, but she heard something else or he hears something completely right. different. Like that's what we do. We hear what we want to hear. So true. Cause it's like, Oh, you're like, it, this is it. Society says like, if I'm attracted to them and they're successful and they're this or they're that, and we have a connection or we're a soulmates, we have to like be together and forget these other red flags. And you're like, no, it's not red flags. It's just like literally just people, two different people, with two different, you know, upbringings, with two much, two two different sets of trauma, and we have to like deal with that, you know. And when we're in these relationships, we're dealing with the other person's trauma, their childhood. So every true, day. so true. The trauma is like real, and and again, it's like we both, you know, like both people try to be, like you said, on your best behavior, and because of that, we put on these masks, and we don't get upset until we feel comfortable enough later, and then say, hey, you know what, the things you've been doing. For the last six months, I'm not that excited about actually the things that attracted to me, attracted me to you actually turn out to be like detriments in our relationship because that same thing is attracting other men or other women, right? right. If it's a woman, if, if it's a, a guy doing the same thing. So 
six months ago it worked. Now it doesn't. 12 months, whatever. Now it doesn't. We need to talk about like how we can actually fix this together. Like what's a solution that allows you to do what you want to do, but also kind of like makes me feel comfortable in the entire situation. I think that's normal. People evolve their seasons and what's okay six months ago when you guys are all partying and like getting drunk and whatever the case is. And like, why is it not okay to like change those behaviors? Like when you get married, you stop hooking up with other people. Oh, you do? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and when you like, yeah, when you have a girlfriend, like especially this, like you're dating someone and then all of a sudden they're officially your girlfriend, you stop like dating around other people. Like that's just the natural progression. You start acting differently. Each phase of a relationship, you should act differently at least. I hope you don't act all the way through. Um, you should definitely curtail some behaviors. I don't know. I think it's... So Mark, what do you like... What are you doing now after all this stuff? Like you have like a lot of knowledge about like, it just seems like you have like a lot of knowledge and like coaching people and like, like helping, like doing a lot of work, like, like spiritual work, mental work, figuring out like what's broken in you and like trying to figure out like all this traumatic, I guess you could say like traumatic child trauma mm -hmm. because our parents, you know, everybody's deeply flawed and you know, our parents were, you know, no better and no worse than we are. We just have, we all are flawed and we, you know, we use the tools we have to try to figure out like what's going on and how to raise kids. So tell me what you're, what are you working on now? That's like, that's kind of like leaning into the trauma and everything you were taught. We were talking about earlier. Yeah. Well, you know, it's very interesting. So the, the, you know, the entertainment part of my life, you know, has sort of shifted and like, I've been the things I'm writing and being hired to write, you know, tend to be things that have these same themes and is directing as well. I'm in post on this, this movie aptly called soulmate uh -huh. about these two people that are, you know, that wake up handcuffed to oh. each other. And they have to find their way out of this maze. And, you know, it's really interesting. So I could bring sort of my experience, you know, with relationships, my experience with sort of, you know, um, narcissism and, you know, the things that, that include that, that are part of this one, one character and, and be able to see that I can bring this other part to it. And then while I've been doing all this work on myself, it's sort of engaged me in with certain people that I've that I've known the, over the years who are also doing the same thing and also working in recovery. And so both my wife and I, my wife, uh, Brianne Davis works, you know, um, focuses on sex and love addiction, on codependency, on relationships. Um, and she works also with addicts, um, from drugs and alcohol as well. And then I, you know, I do the same thing where, you know, because I've got to my sobriety, I've worked, you know, I worked with mostly, you know, uh, people that are, you know, struggling with, you know, getting sober and, you know, codependency and relationships. And she and I both, you know, do couples coaching, uh, uh, co uh, couples in recovery as well. So we like, we've been doing this coaching where two of us get to work with the couple, we work individually and then work with them again. So they see this sort of mirrored relationship of like a healthy relationship to them. Wow. That and sounds that's been, amazing. Yeah, and that's been really, really powerful. Um, because a lot of times you, know, you have one person recovery and one person not, and they're not in it. They're yeah. They're in it together. Yeah. And wow. so to be able to see how it was, cause when we first met, she wasn't in recovery. 
And, um, and so, yeah, so I've been, you know, working, you know, sort of as a recovery specialist with, you know, young men and couples. And, you know, it's been an opportunity for me to be of service and share what I've, you know, what I've learned. And yet there's so much of it with the, my life skills and, you know, creating a life that you want that I've been able to, you know, hand that off to other people too. That's so cool, man, man. That is such a cool way of doing the healing process together where you, you go off and you have this like third party working with each person. It sounds like, and they're saying, Hey, you know what? You see this, but really what's happening is this. And then you come back together and say, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I did this. And the other person's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I I didn't see this either. And it's like, wow, I can see that like amazing. Like I can see that fixing things for people quickly. Yeah. And I can also see that saving a lot of people from like going their separate ways. Well, that's what we're doing. It's I mean, amazing. You know, we're coming, people are coming in and we're saying, look, our, our intention is, you know, to help it's, you. It's brilliant. And, you I, know, I've never even not, heard of this. It's we're brilliant. not even there to, yeah. we're not there to, you know, push for a divorce or push for you guys to be together. Sure. Like we're here to figure this out. So, you know, we'll come in as a couple with both of them. And then we'll, we switch off. So like I'll work with the wife for two weeks individually, once a week. Then we meet together. She'll work with the husband and we come together at the end of the week as couples with couples. And we get to talk about this stuff because you're as, a, as in, a, in a relationship, you have to work on yourself. And so you can just do a couple session, but what does that do? Like I, we, there's, that's what therapy is great for that. But sure. like us, it's very practical, like practical exercises, practical writing. Like how do you, deal with a kid, deal with a guy who's, who's doing this and, and a, and a wife that's, that's feeling like this and unheard and, you know, I'm not taken care of. And we can say, ah, see, and then we can, and then we swap. I work with husband and she works. That with is brilliant. Come, and, and what's we've seen is this, it's, it is so much faster, you know, the, the, the change because both people are on the journey changing. It's not right. just one person, you know, and, doesn't it doesn't you know we'll go three weeks of like awesome like this is amazing and then the fourth week it's like yeah we had a bad week and it's like i said the thing i said i wouldn't say i know and then i responded the way I was, you know and we get to walk through that and then the changes and stuff and so you wow. know really feeling grateful to be able to like you know help people that way that sounds amazing that yeah. that process that that's like a whole new way of like therapy like that mm-hmm. i actually see that as the future that's crazy. The, to you actually, heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think that's the future of therapy right there. I actually believe that is probably the, the best sounding therapy I've ever heard for couples ever. Like usually it's one person that wants to go to therapy and the other one doesn't. Or they go both like begrudgingly and it doesn't work. And that's why lots of you know therapists say if you're, you're already going to therapy, it's like 80 or 90% chance you're not going to, it's not going to work out. But when you're working individually and like pointing out situations from both a female and male perspective and then coming back together, yeah. that's when therapy actually sounds like it. Like that's again, the future of therapy. That's yeah. amazing, man. So where do you, where can they, where can people find you? Like, okay, where can, so, yeah. Yeah. So for that specifically and that and get more information, if you go to Brianne Davis coach.com, B R I A N N E Davis coach.com. And we've got our couples coaching and listed there and her and her services. And then I'm, you know, Mark Gant at.com and you can find all my, from my coaching to my writing, directing, 
everything. Consulting, yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I actually can't wait that you guys hear, heard it here first. This is the future <laughs> of therapy right here, okay? It's a, it's a male-female perspective, working with both. I'm letting you know this is the future. Mark my words. Mark, thanks for being here today, man. It means a lot. I consider you like one of, one of the best actors in Hollywood. You really are. And, uh, you know, you're, I also am very lucky to call you a friend. So Thank thanks for, thanks for showing up today and took a little while, but it was worth every, every second of it. So totally worth it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Mark. Thanks again, man. So what are you doing now? Action. So, um, 